Are you taking care of your teeth? Let Spirit Dental help you find a dental plan that's right for you. Visit spiritdental.com forward slash brain to get your $100 lifetime deductible today. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on the show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. All right, if you hear me pause or uh, skip a beat, I am chasing a, uh, I don't know what it is, a fruit fly <laughs> in my office. I think they're also called no because when I look for it, it's gone. So it's somewhere around here and, or maybe there's multiple ones and I just think only one is flying by my face, but they always seem to fly right in front of my face. I'm sure you understand, <laughs> but I've uh, gotten a few and I'm going to get this one. So anyway, good to have you on the show and good to be here talking with you today. I'm going to talk about, um, second chances in the sense where how you show up, how you think you're going to treat someone or do something differently the second time around. This doesn't always apply to relationships, but it usually does. You know, you can have a second chance at a job, a second chance at, I don't know, (laughs) buying a car. I don't know, but there's other uh, reasons you can have second chances. So If you are not thinking about getting back into a relationship in the sense of having a second chance, then you can perhaps associate what's going on in your life uh, where you could apply a second chance to. And again, relationships are typically where we look at second chances. And this is stemming from a message I got some time ago where the person who wrote to me, said, you know, is it my fault? And if it is, you know, maybe I need to change. Maybe I need to do something differently. But I just know that I could treat her better next time. I just know that if she gives me a chance, that I could show up as a better person. And, you know, those are great. Those are great statements. I think when you say something like that, like, I know I can do better. I know that I can treat that person better. I know I won't make the same mistakes again. And how about, I know I'm the right person. I know I can make the situation better. I know I can make them happy again. You have all these thoughts about a second chance doing something to make something better next time. And, you know, we probably all experienced this in one way, shape or form. I experienced this Many times in my life, I think about all the relationships that my partner left me and I was alone and I thought, oh, what can I do to get them back? And I would do things, you know, I would uh, try my darndest to get them back. 
but there was something missing every time I tried that. There was something missing in my behavior, in my focus, what I was concentrating on, because I could never get them back because of this one thing that is or was missing. And I can probably guarantee if you've gone through this, that it might have also been missing for you as well. So with second chances, we do say things like, I know I can do better. I know I'm the right person. I can change. But I want to maybe instill in you that second chances aren't about trying to impress someone or trying to show them that you're better or you will be better than you were. And it's not necessarily about trying to impress them or treat them better or it's not necessarily trying to do any of that. It's really more about focusing on what caused you to treat them that way in the first place or treat the situation or make the mistakes that you made or the errors and judgment that you made in the first place. It's really all about that. You know, there are exceptions, of course, if you made a mistake and they got mad or you, know, you lost your job, you know, again, apply this to your own situation. But, uh, you know, you can do that. You can make mistakes. Things can happen. There can be misunderstandings. And there's really nothing you can do about it because they're not convinced that it wasn't intentional and now you're in the situation you're in. What I'm here to say today is that when it comes to second chances, if you want maybe someone back, if you want something back, if you want a second chance at something, that you need to focus on this one thing. You need to get this one thing down pat. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what that one thing is. You probably are starting to figure it out, but if not, keep listening. This one thing that I was missing when I was younger, especially when I lost relationships, I always focused on the wrong thing and I always kept that wrong thing at the forefront of my attempt to get my second chance. So what am I talking about? I am talking about when you are focused on treating somebody better, uh, doing better for them, changing for them, then you are focused on the wrong thing because you're trying to impress someone with more behavior instead of looking at your own behavior and how it's been and what may need to heal or change in you before you can even attempt to have another chance at somebody or something. And I know I'm on a little thin ice here. It doesn't mean you can't have a second chance and that maybe you can't treat someone better. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that if your primary focus is on someone else and wanting to impress them, wanting to show them this person that you are going to be from this point on, then you're focusing on the wrong thing. Your focus needs to be internal. Your focus needs to be on you. And you need to ask yourself, what is it inside of me that caused me to behave that way in the first place? That's probably the most important question. In, in fact, in almost any situation that you're in, even if it's something they did that they're responsible for, that they're to blame, and you know it's their fault, it's still helpful to ask yourself the question, 
what is it inside of me that caused me to behave the way I did? Because when you ask that question, you're going to uncover, discover some programs inside of you that are motivating you to be a certain way and to act a certain way. These are the types of subconscious subroutines, if you want to call them that, that are inside of us running the show and we just are acting upon those programs doing what we are programmed to do. Whether we program that in ourselves, you know, what we learned, how we've learned to treat people and how they've treated us and how we respond to certain situations. And we could have written that code ourselves or somebody else like our parents and our caretakers and those around us. And if we're in a bad relationship or bad family, meaning toxic or unhealthy family, that gets instilled in us as well. And then those programs are written and then they dictate how we respond and behave to life's events. So we run into situations, oh no, we're breaking up with someone. Now we have this program that kicks in that tells us how to feel, how to respond, how to act from that point on, or multiple programs. We have these underlying processes that will dictate how we respond to life's events. And because they're in there, it's important to understand what they are and how they function. It's secondarily important, but still very important to understand where they came from, why they appeared, why, why is that there? Why do I respond that way? What is inside of me that's causing me to feel this way? What beliefs do I have? Why do I think this way? And why do I behave this way? Or why did I behave this way? I love the idea of questioning your own behavior even when it's good. <laughs> like I said, even when it's somebody else's fault and you had a healthy response, you know, even anger, you can be angry at somebody about what they did. And that could be a healthy response in you. Uh, but it's still good to ask the question, what is inside of me that caused me to feel that way and think that way and be that way in that moment? Where did that behavior come from? Because when you start learning about yourself, this is the magic. This is where uh, you can really start hacking yourself in a good way, hacking, you know, uh, reverse engineering who you are and how you are and why you behave the way you do. Why did I just say that? <laughs> you know, why did I just do that? But don't stop there. Really find out, figure it out. What caused me to act that way? What caused me to be that way? What caused me to say that certain thing? And don't just stop when you get an answer. Well, I wouldn't have said that if they didn't say this. That's not a good place to stop. If somebody said, oh, you're a jerk, and then you had a response to that, what, I'm a jerk? No, you're a jerk, and you got angry. Don't say, well, it's obvious why I got angry. No, you want to dig into that. Why did I get angry? And then goes bigger picture. Why do people get angry when they're called a jerk? Why is that? Be curious. Wonder why you behave as you do. Be fascinated by your own personality. Because what's going to happen is that you're going to break into the program and start to debug yourself. And I apologize if these references are too technical for some people, but I think you get it. 
Because debugging a program means let's find the bugs. Let's find the glitches. Let's find out why we're not getting the results we want. Why can't I get the outcome I want? I'm in this situation or I'm in this relationship and every time they do this and I do that, we end up fighting or we end up uh, breaking up. It happens and I don't know why. I don't know what to do. So uh, what's next? Well, you can continue looking outside yourself or you can start asking yourself why you're doing the behavior you're doing and where it comes from and what is motivating you to do that and on and on and on. You, you just want to dig inside, drill into the behaviors and figure out what is causing me to behave that way. Now, what I started to say earlier is that there's an internal focus and an external focus. The external focus is really based around, so how can I change so that this person sees me in a better light? That's a very external focus, even though it's about how you can change. So we can totally connect with that. You know, how can I change? Yes, yes, absolutely. What can I do to change? However, that's still not the right question. I don't think it's about changing. I think it's about discovering. I think it's about understanding because once you discover and understand why you behave the way you do and why you think the way you do and come up with an opinion about it, meaning, well, I do this because of that. And my opinion on that is I think it's okay to be that way. You might come up with that. You might say, well, when somebody says or does this and I act this way, I think that's an okay way to behave. I think that's an okay way to act. Because I believe it's, you know, whatever it is for you, it's honoring myself, it's valuing myself, it's being self-compassionate and self-loving, it's caring, it's caring about them, it's caring about myself. And when I show up that way, I feel good in myself. So you might come up with that and decide that your behavior wasn't an overreaction, wasn't bad at all. So why would you change that, what you already appreciate about yourself, for someone else. You don't want to do that, in my opinion. You don't want to change for someone else. This is kind of the roundabout message in this episode is, you know, when you start to think how you can change for someone else, you're looking in the wrong place. You're looking in the wrong direction. You're going in the wrong direction. What can I do differently so that they'll see me differently? We don't want to focus on that. I was telling a client the other day who was going through a possible separation or divorce. She said that her partner reached out to her and wondered how she was doing. And I told her, you know, your partner did a lot of not so good things to you. That person put you through an emotionally abusive situation a number of times. And for them to ask how you're doing, they are too preoccupied with you to show that they are actually working on themselves because she wasn't sure, you know, what do I say to this person? What do I do? And I told her, you know, you need to focus on you and that person needs to focus on them. And by doing that, it's all internal. I am focused on me. I'm going to work on myself because if that person is preoccupied with you, then they are not working on their own healing and growth. That doesn't mean like you can't ever think about somebody else while you're working on your own healing and growth. But certain situations call for somebody who says, you know what, I need to work on myself. I need to heal. For them to look at you and say, 
Why don't you give me the healing space that I need so that I can work on myself so that I don't show up the way I always show up? I don't want to be that person in your life. I need to work on myself. I need to heal. That's the kind of healthy response that we want to hear from people that uh, maybe have hurt us in the past. If we hear something like, you know, wow, I realize how bad I treated you. I need to look at myself and figure out why I do that. That's a great response. If you can get a response like that out of someone who maybe uh, mistreated you in some way or disrespected you or dishonored you, then that's a good place to be because that shows that they want to focus on themselves, that they actually want to heal whether you're in their life or not because that's the important part. And if they are internally focused on what they need to do to move through this, to heal, to grow, then what ends up happening is that you will either be automatically impressed with them or not. And the same works in reverse. If you were the hurtful one, if you dishonored or devalued or made someone feel bad about themselves or whatever, you have to see what you're doing and say, wow, you know, I can't believe I have treated you this way. That is not right. That's not good. It's not good for you. It's not good for me. It's definitely not good for this relationship. So I need to separate myself from you so I don't expose you to this behavior anymore. I don't want to expose you to this behavior. It's not good for you. It's not good for me. Let's stay apart so I can work on this. And then you might have to stay apart for a while. Because this is what happens in some relationships. In order to heal and grow and move through the tough parts, you have to be separate. And the reason you have to be separate is because when somebody else is in your life, they influence you. And you're preoccupied with them. You know, they're on your mind and you're on their mind. And as long as that's the case, then you have the same old formula that brought up the old dysfunction and toxicity in the first place. So it's important to have your own space to heal and to grow and to reflect and, you know, get help if you need help, get therapy, get coaching, whatever it takes so that you can show up as an improved, healthier, happier person inside yourself. Because I tell you what, when I was in my early 20s and I went through that, uh, was it 20s? It might have been late 20s. When I went through that first breakup that I had from with a long-term relationship, I wanted to impress her. I wanted her to get her back. I would send her poems. I would send her flowers. I would do everything to show her what she was losing. I was showing her how great I am. So externally focused. This is who I am. I can't believe you're letting this go. I never said that. <laughs> that was in my mind. It was my ego saying, look how great I am. And I'm going to do everything I can to impress her. But I was doing everything but the one thing I should have been doing. I should have been asking myself, why did I treat her the way I did? Why am I so focused on impressing her? Why can't I just focus on healing me? And of course, we don't always know we need healing. We may think everything's great. But, you know, that's why I'm talking about this today. I think that it's important to understand that if we are often the common denominator with bad results and we're not getting what we want in life and we're certainly getting what we don't want in life, if we find that it keeps happening to us, maybe there's something in us that needs healing. 
doesn't mean we're a bad person. doesn't mean we're toxic. It doesn't mean we're unhealthy. It could mean some of those things, but it doesn't necessarily mean any of those things because we're only bringing with us what we received in the past, what we were programmed to think and feel and be. And we just never questioned the programs. We just kept going on with our life and kept being who we are and thinking this is the best way to be. And suddenly we don't get the results we want. And then when we don't get the results we want, we can't figure out what's going on. And maybe we're terrible. Maybe we're broken. And then we're so focused on maybe getting that person back or getting our job back and impressing people. And whatever it is that we go through, when we start to focus on how to get something back and get that second chance in life, we're missing out on the most important aspect of life, which is reflection, understanding ourselves, questioning our own behaviors, and making sure that we really tackle what perhaps might be holding us back or causing us to keep getting results that we don't want. And I know that's a little bit ambiguous, but I did give you some perhaps solid things to ask yourself. You know, what caused me to feel that way? Why do I feel that way? What caused me to behave that way when we were together? When they said this, I said that. And then why did I say that? And then when you get an answer, you need to dig even deeper. Never stop at the easy answers. The easy answers are the ones you know right away. When you can say, well, anyone would do that. Or, of course I got angry. They said this. They did that. When it's an of course answer, you haven't even scratched the surface. <laughs> you already know that way too well. And that's why you are having these automatic responses. Whenever you have an automatic response, you immediately get angry. Or you immediately become sad. Or you immediately withdraw. Whatever your response is, whatever is immediate, that's your automatic programming that may or may not need that debugging, that questioning, that digging in, that drilling down so you understand why you're doing this stuff. You may not know. You may not get the answer, but you're going to get closer to the answer. You're going to get closer to the origin of these programs that are driving your behavior so that you can start to, like I said, debug and break apart your motivations, your, what's driving you to do the things you do. Because if you are able to shake up those programs a little bit so that you're not so automatic next time, things start to change. But again, this is all focusing on yourself. This is all self-reflection. This has nothing to do with trying to get someone back and trying to change for them. It's nice that we can change, but we have to do it from the inside out. So when it comes to second chances, try not to be so focused or preoccupied on someone else to come back to you or something else to work out better the next time. Because where the magic happens is inside you. And that's tough because it's so hard, especially when you want something outside of you to focus on the inside. But it is magic. I mean, not real magic, but it is magical when you are able to break apart those old programs so that they don't have such a hold on you and they're not controlling you and you're able to make a choice on how you respond next time and hopefully that choice doesn't come from a place of fear because a lot of the choices that we've made in life that gave us bad results 
at least a, a number of them, were from fear. And that fear isn't discovered until we try to uncover and figure out what's driving our behavior. When we come back, I'm going to read you a couple sentences of a really long email that inspired uh, this episode, and we'll talk about that in a moment. We'll be right back. be a little bit vulnerable with you right now. Um, I haven't gone to the dentist in a long time. <laughs> and uh, it's vulnerable because people always say, you need to get your teeth cleaned twice a year. You need to go to the dentist and make sure you maintain. I know, I get it, and I do have some problems, uh, and I need to take care of them. I'm in, embarrassed to tell you what they quoted me the last time I went to the dentist, and I never went back. <laughs> but I swear, I, you know, I'm not a total wreck in there, but I do need help. And it's been a long time. It's just a place I don't really think about. You know, as long as my teeth aren't hurting, I'm not going. That was my philosophy for a long time. Fortunately, uh, I learned to floss really well to keep my mouth healthy. And that has been a huge help. However, every now and then I have a tooth that hurts and I think, you know, I should probably go to the dentist, but how much am I going to have to spend and, you know, what's involved? And if it was that much last time I went and I haven't gone back since, it's probably going to be a lot more. Uh, so I'm telling you all this because there is a company that reached out and wanted to sponsor the show. So I looked them up. I looked at their website. I saw what they had to offer and I made sure that this is something that I wanted to share with you because now I'm looking into this company called uh, Spirit Dental. And if you're anything like me, dental insurance isn't something you think about a lot. However, you know, without it, an unexpected emergency can turn into a costly dentist bill. And how often do we plan on dental bills? We don't, or at least a lot of us don't plan on dental bills. It's kind of like something that we hope never happens. I'll just keep brushing and flossing. Hopefully you're flossing, but if you're not, then I want you to listen really close because uh, Spirit Dental makes it easy to find a dental plan that's right for you. And with other providers, you run into high deductibles, long waiting periods, expensive procedures that might not even be covered. But Spirit's trusted plans include guaranteed acceptance, no wait period for major services, a $100 lifetime deductible, and coverage for major services too, like dental implants, crowns, and bridges. So I want you to consider Spirit Dental as an option for you if you're looking for dental coverage that's made easy. Go to spiritdental.com forward slash brain to gain a little peace of mind. You know, it's been way too long for me. This is something that I'll be doing very, very shortly. Again, go to spiritdental.com forward slash brain Get a quote in about 60 seconds and find a dental plan that's right for you. Mm -hmm. 
Welcome back. Like I said, I'm going to read you a couple lines of an email that I received. Uh, it was a long story. I'm not going to read you that part, but the end, uh, the person wrote, I've listened to your latest talks, and to me, it sounds like that I am at fault. It sounds like I am the dysfunctional one and the toxic one in my relationship. I should have cared more, and I should have given her more love and understanding. I can't express to you how much guilt I feel for this and how much I truly love her. I see my wrongdoings, and I'm just starting my own journey of self-improvement, and I really hope that I can be with her again because I think I can make her very happy this time. But at the same time, I'd like your opinion if this is a good idea. Should I just move on? And then he said, um, sorry for the long text. I would love to hear from you. Um, thank you so much for sharing the whole story. I didn't read, but in a nutshell, he was telling me that the woman that he met several years back, she had a lot of challenges in her life. She would, uh, she had high anxiety. She had suicidal thoughts. And every night she would cry and he would be there for her. But over time, he got a little bit insensitive to that or he became jaded to her nightly cries and her constant talking about anxiety or constant being in, and this is my words, victim mode. He, he just got a little bit jaded and he, he didn't know how to handle it anymore or he just became insensitive because it was getting old. And that sounds insensitive. I know it does. But at the same time, you know, one thing I want to say about that before I uh, talk about his comments that I read at the beginning here um, is that you don't have to be someone's therapist. You don't have to be someone's coach. In fact, I don't recommend it unless you are licensed or certified to do so. And even then, if you're close to them, you're probably too close to them. You're probably too close. If someone really needs your help and you're in any type of relationship with them, yes, it's okay to do your best and you know do what you can. You might have the solution. You might get them out of the funk and it might be the best thing that ever happened to them and it might be rewarding for you and you know you just want to see them happy. Absolutely. I, I don't discourage that. What I do discourage is when you become their regular go-to. If you are the regular go-to, it gets a little bit dicey there. You know, I'm sort of a regular go-to for my girlfriend, but she's also a regular go-to for me. And it's not a nightly thing. It's, it's a lot less frequent. But we can go to each other because we're understanding, we're open, we're non-judgmental, and we listen. And we run things back and forth. And we also don't depend on the, each other for an answer. We just hope they have one. And if they do, great. If they don't, then okay, we need to work on this a little bit more, think about it. But it's a healthy balance. The problem comes when you don't have a healthy balance. This person who wrote in, I don't think he had a healthy balance. He was the receiver, the nurturer, the caretaker, at least, you know, from the way he explained it. And, you know, she definitely needed caretaking. I'm not saying that it was required. I'm not saying that she couldn't survive without him. I'm just saying that from the way he explained it, she needed someone to listen, to nurture, to be receptive in the way she needed it. And he was growing, I don't want to say this, tired of it. It was growing old for him. Not his words, my words, but I imagine you can only do so much for someone until you realize you can't really do anything for them. There are some people you, you can't do anything for. 
this is why it's important to figure out when it's not necessarily a healthy balance. Like if he went to her too and he cried and he had anxiety too and she comforted him once in a while and she came to him and he comforted her once in a while, that would be a different story. But this is a very one-way street, one-sided thing. And so I can understand. And it is definitely a reasonable, normal reaction he had that he could no longer be as sensitive, as caring, as empathetic as he once was because when does it end? Even that sounds cold and heartless. I don't mean to be. But there is a point where a partner or a friend or a family member, they may not be there every single time in the same capacity every single time because they probably don't have that amount of surplus of energy. It can take a lot of energy to be receptive and caring and nurturing. Even though it would be great if we all had an abundance of energy that we could give and be nurturing and receptive. But at one point, again, it has to have that healthy balance. There also has to be a give and take in there. So I imagine, and this is only my interpretation, that what happened here is that there was only uh, take, 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 at least from his perspective. It was always him giving and nurturing and caring. But at one point, he's not going to feel helpful. I mean, that's really going to happen. He's not going to feel helpful at all. And he's also going to wonder when the relationship's going to start, when they're going to have some normalcy in the relationship. And that is tough because if you're always the one that is the coach or the therapist in the relationship and you're not getting your healthy dose of a relationship, where they're also showing up as caring and giving and nurturing. If that's not there, then the equality is lopsided. It's not working. And I look at it as always a give and take. If it's always one person that's always giving and the other person that's always taking or maybe takes the wrong word, receiving, there's always one person giving, there's always one person receiving, then it's lopsided. So this is probably what happened. It, it was too hard to continue that cycle. So he had to grow distant and grow disconnected uh, in order to save himself, likely. It can be very draining to do it re repeatedly. If you're doing something over and over and over again, it takes a lot of energy. So I won't belabor that. That's absolutely, I believe, what's happened there. And because of that, he had to uh, distance himself to really have some energy left for himself. So this is what I see. The person who wrote to me, this is what I see, and this is why it happened, because he was wondering, oh, maybe I was the bad guy. Maybe I was the toxic person. Well, the only thing that I would have done differently is, is definitely refer her to some sort of professional where she could express this because you were too close. And when you're too close, you really can't give a non-biased, objective opinion on anything. And maybe she wasn't asking for that. Maybe she was just wanting you to listen and be there and be receptive. But there is a point where if it's happening, like you said in your email, night after night after night, and there were other things that you mentioned as well that seemed to indicate that maybe there was something else going on there too, but uh, I don't want to get into that. But when it comes down to is when someone uses you as their coach or their therapist over and over and over again, and without that healthy balance of give and take, then what ends up happening is that the person that is giving gets burnt out. And if the other person doesn't seek 
a professional to talk to or a best friend. I mean, it could be anyone, a best friend, a family member. If they lay it all on you, then the relationship becomes about their issues. And I know this is kind of dicey the way I'm saying this because, you know, you're supposed to be there for one another. But like I said, the unhealthy balance, the give and take isn't there. It, when it is there, it's a different situation. You know, there's tit for tat. It feels good. It feels bonding. It builds trust. It builds strength in the relationship. But when it isn't there, yes, we need to talk to a professional. And, you know, you could go in together and talk to the professional if that's what she wants. Totally. But being someone else's confidant about everything, especially when you're in the mix, that means she can only talk about certain things and not about you. (laughs) It's another part of this is that maybe she wants to talk about you But she doesn't really want to say anything bad about you because you're being kind or or whatever. She doesn't want to say it to you because she doesn't want to get into a fight. Because you're part of the mix, she doesn't have a place to vent things about you as well. Not that you're a bad guy, you know, but I know that my girlfriend, when she's upset about something I did, uh, she's going to talk to her girlfriends and tell them what a jerk I've been. (laughs) It's going to happen. But I understand that. And she needs that outlet. And I have enough self-worth and self-confidence in me knowing that I'm not a bad guy. I'm not a bad person. And my intentions are sound and true. And I'm not trying to pull a fast one on her. I'm not trying to deceive her. So she has every right to get angry, upset, and talk about it with other people. And of course, talk about it with me. We also have our conversations. But the point is, you can't be the only person that someone you're close to talks to. You just can't be. And you have to be comfortable with that because if someone you love comes back from a conversation with uh, their family member or someone they trust and is able to release like a lot of negative energy and they come back to you as happier, you can't beat that. I mean, that's a great feeling to see them not so pent up and not unleashing on you, unloading on you. It's a, it's a nicer feeling than having it always come back to you and always being unloaded on you. And um, that's why I don't recommend you being the constant coach or therapist to someone close to you. So you just have to be careful there. And I'm just going to answer this person's question at the end. He said, "Um, I really hope I can be with her again because I think I can make her very happy this time. And that wording, this is what we talked about in the last segment, that wording, I think I can make her happy. You know, he may not have meant it that way, but when I read that, I think external again. What can I do to make someone else happy? That's focusing in the wrong direction. That's preoccupied with her state of mind, her emotions, and not necessarily preoccupied with his own healing, his own growth. Because if he instead focused on his own behavior, how he showed up, Good or bad, right or wrong, if he focused on that, started questioning his own behavior so that he can come up with some conclusions about his behavior. He may not have the exact conclusions. He may not be accurate. But again, you know, you break apart the foundation a little bit and debug the programs a little bit, try to get in there and try to figure out why you're wired the way you are. When you start picking apart at that and asking yourself questions and diving in, then you understand yourself more. And you'll discover if you like yourself. You'll discover if you're okay with those programs or not. Because if you find out that you're not okay with those programs, it has nothing to do with other people. It has everything to do with you. 
and it's time to either rewrite those programs by working on yourself, you know, all this self-help stuff, by going to therapy if you if you need to, uh, definitely working on your self-worth, definitely working on the surety you have in yourself or lack of surety in yourself, lack of confidence, uh, because if you're not showing up as fully feeling worthy in yourself, knowing that you're doing the best you can, knowing that you have the best intentions, knowing that you're being honest with people and showing them boundaries and enforcing your boundaries. If you're doing all of what you believe to be the right things and you're in that good space inside yourself, then my advice is to not change for other people. And this is the full circle of what we talked about in the first segment. If you are happy with who you are, then it's better to find people that are happy with who you are than people that you think you need to change for. Not that people couldn't inspire you to change. Absolutely. If you smoke cigarettes and you meet someone who doesn't smoke cigarettes and it inspires you to quit, that's great. But if you only quit because they hate it and so you quit and then you resent quitting because if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't have quit, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. But if you look inward and you say, no, I like having a smoke. It makes me feel good. I mean, I don't recommend it. (laughs) But if you feel this way, this is who you are and that's what you want to do. And you're comfortable with that. And you're okay with other people being uncomfortable with it. And you're okay if other people leave you because of it, because why would you want someone in your life that doesn't like who you are? Then why not? Why not be who you are? You just have to realize that not everyone's going to agree. And if you are okay with who you are, it's better to not change who you are and become resentful and then you feel drained because every time you're around them, you're thinking, oh, I had to quit that or I had to do something different because of them. You don't want to live life like that. You don't want to be in that space. So for the person who wrote, I want to thank you for sharing that story. My final words on this is that when you focus on yourself, when you work on the the healing that you need to do or the debugging of all the processes inside of you, just by asking questions, diving in. Why did I do that? What's causing me to do that? Why am I angry about that? Oh, that's why I'm angry? Well, how is that a big deal? What led me to that anger then? You know, you keep digging and digging until you find something that really starts to shake your foundation and you realize, oh, that's why I'm that way. Hmm. And then you have a choice. You can change it or not. You can work on that or not. Totally up to you. Just depends on who you want to be and how you want to feel. And if working on it makes you feel better, maybe you will change. And maybe that other person will see those changes and really like them. But they're not going to like something you do externally that doesn't start from within because then it looks like a game or an act. It looks like you're just trying to impress them, showing them that, hey, I'm this great person, but really I'm still that same old person inside. Not that it's bad. Not that I'm saying that you're broken or toxic or anything like that. It's just that when your focus is on someone else, it does make it appear that you're not working on yourself. And when you work on yourself, you shine. I mean, I like to look at it that way. When you work on yourself, when you improve anything about yourself, you shine. You shine brighter and brighter. And that's when people start noticing. That's when the people that were once in your life that knew you as one way, they suddenly see you this other way. They're either going to hate it because there are people like that usually family Uh, they're going to hate this new you 
or they're going to love it. They're going to see you and go, whoa, what happened to you? You're so different. Don't be afraid to be different. Thanks for joining me today. So glad you're here. Be right back. I'll say some thank yous and my goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you to head over to spiritdental.com forward slash brain and get your $100 lifetime deductible. What a super deal. Check it out. And I want to start by giving a big kudos to Sandra. You know, Sandra bought the Safe System for Anxiety, another product I sell. And she was having trouble downloading it. And there was some error with their email. And we were going back and forth. And finally, finally, she was able to download it. And she was so grateful that I was helping her. You know, I don't ever want to leave someone hanging. So we went back and forth and we finally got it. And she was so grateful. And then she sent me this message. So I want to read you this message. It's really short. Uh, She said, I just want to let you know that I'm on my way through the safe sessions and I'm finding them very helpful. Thank you so much. I'm so appreciative of all the help you provided with my downloading difficulties. And then she did something that surprised me. She said, I just made a donation to The Overwhelmed Brain as a gesture of thanks for your podcast, which I find very helpful and comforting. It's a small donation, but I hope it conveys my thanks and appreciation for your sessions, which makes just so much sense to me. I hope you and Asha are keeping well and safe. She's talking about my girlfriend. And with thanks again and my best wishes, Sandra. Okay, Sandra, I sent you an email. I said, okay, I want you to tune in to this episode this weekend because I want to thank you on the air. And I also want to say, I had to laugh when you said I just made a small donation. Um, When I saw the amount, (laughs) it was not small at all. So your definition of small and a lot of other people's definitions of small are vastly different. And I just want to say thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. It surprised me. It humbled me. And after all the trouble you had downloading it, you still donated. So I wanted to dedicate these two or three minutes to you, Sandra. Thank you. And I appreciate you. And I am so grateful for you. Thank you again. I also want to thank the patrons of the week, other people that give a monthly donation, Ron, Janet, Brian, and Stephen. These are people in the patron program over at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. This is where you can show your support of the show. If you find value in the show or the fact that I help you download the safe system or whatever, and you want to give back, head over to that site and um, choose a monthly or a single donation. Totally up to you. And thank you all patron members. Uh, If you haven't heard your name yet, you will. (laughs) As the weeks go by, it'll come. Uh, I appreciate you. I am grateful for your support. And of course, not everyone has the finances to support the show and Some people don't want to support the show, (laughs) and that's fine. I'm not here to put anyone down for that. I'm not here to push it on you. If you don't want to support the show and you're listening, that is supportive. Because like I've said in past episodes, as you learn and grow and heal and get through all the hard times and the challenges yourself, and you come out new and improved, or at least a little bit improved, then you're making the world a better place, and I'm living in a world that's better. So it's a very selfish dream of mine. As the world grows and heals, I get to live in that world. And so do you. 
other people listening to this show and other shows and doing the self-help route and reading and going to therapy. Everyone that works on themselves makes the world a better place. It shows that we're reflective. It shows that we want to improve, that we want better results in our life, that we want to be happier. When you're happier, I'm happier because, you know, I'm around you, you're around me, and then we all we all kind of get that momentum going. So I appreciate everyone that listens to this show. And of course, if you want to give anything, you can share the show with others, tell people about it, tweet it, put it on Facebook, tell everyone you love it. Or if you're like some people I know, they will say, no, this is my own little personal thing. I don't want to tell anyone. <laughs> that doesn't really help spread the message, but I am still grateful that you listen and I appreciate you. And I forgot to mention, if you want this safe empowerment system, it is still probably indefinitely at a 50% discount uh, because of all this COVID stuff. And I don't know, I'm not looking to make a billion zillion dollars on it. So I just cut it in half and gave it a 50% discount uh, using the code BRAIN50. So if you go to quietbegins.com, use the coupon code BRAIN50, that's BRAIN50, and you'll get 50% off the product. So it's it's a good deal, and um, I'm getting a lot of good feedback on it, and it is designed to diminish or dissolve your anxiety completely. Quietbegins.com. And finally, I want to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. And to finish the show, I think there's another email here. I think it's just a thank you, but I'm going to read it anyway. I might have some comments on it. Uh, this person says, hey, Paul, thanks for being here and sharing the journey with me because you're usually talking directly to me, right? Yes, <laughs> I am. I'm talking directly to you. And uh, she says, I've been with you for a few years and I really appreciate the tools and insights and words and ideas and solutions and generally find at least one takeaway with each podcast. The pandemic has sidelined so much of what's, quote, normal and routine, and the long winter before that was already uber-challenging. So, cripes, it's like a six-month trip to a deserted island. I listened to a few episodes this weekend on a long drive home and was thinking about all the reasons why the overwhelmed brain resonates and how it connects. See, I'm a critical thinker through and through. One thing I managed to come up with is that I feel less alone and or isolated and or less like an uber complicated being when you share your stories. Like, wait, I see me here, but wow, he's not just talking to me. How many other humans around the world are resonating with this episode? Whoa. <laughs> and some episodes aren't really me at all, though I believe it helps me with empathy and compassion. And maybe, just maybe, it helps me be less judgmental. I see my judgment of others is really a reflection of my self-judgment and the awareness that it would be helpful and healing to get a better understanding of all of that. The crisis of these COVID days helps to shine a light in the fact that this is it, life, the only one we have today. It's precious, it's short, and it's such a gift. And moving through it, being unhappy, annoyed, less than joyful is a waste. One day at a time. I choose differently in this moment. Thank you for being here in this moment too. I appreciate you. I'm going to call her Patty because that's her name. <laughs> Patty, I'm calling you out. I am so grateful for your message and I am just humbled by your words because of what you said about me and the show 
And I am going to end with your words because I think they are so true. I mean, there's some tough stuff to digest for some people. I will say that, you know, it is great to move through the world being happy, less annoyed, more joyful. It is a wonderful thing. And some people, they have a really hard time doing that. And for you to share your story, just like I share my stories, I think it helps us get to a better place. Because, and let me just say this real quick, one of the things that I talked about on episodes a while back was that when you carry around anything that you feel ashamed about, guilty about, embarrassed about, worried about, concerned about, any of those not-so-good feelings, when you're carrying around those feelings and those thoughts, that life doesn't always feel as satisfying or fulfilling as it could be. And so what Patty's saying here is that, you know what? This is our life. This is it. (laughs) This is what we got, at least on this earth at this time. So we really have to be present. We really have to be aware. And we do have to take it one day at a time. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And, you know, what if the worst does happen tomorrow? Then what did we think about and what did we do today? Was I spending the whole day worried about some bill that I couldn't pay or losing my job or worried that I got a flat tire or thinking about somebody that I dated 30 years ago and I'm still upset? Did I spend my last day thinking about that? I mean, I hope that's not too morbid of a thought, you know, thinking tomorrow couldn't happen. But it is something to think about. It reminds me when I felt like I was going to die once. Suddenly, all my worries about bills and all my stresses were gone because I thought I was going to die. And it just felt good. (laughs) Not that I wanted to die, but knowing that if I did, then all of that wouldn't even matter. That's kind of where I put myself when I think about, hmm, if tomorrow didn't happen and I was taking one day at a time, how would I celebrate today? How would I be today? How would I show up today? I think that's a great way to dive into yourself as well. Thank you, Patty, for sharing that. I appreciate you. And I appreciate you. I'm talking directly to you, the person listening right now. I am talking directly to you. I'm with you. I'm right there. I just touched your shoulder. I'm right there. All right, I won't let this get creepy. (laughs) All I want you to do is keep an open mind because this will help you step into your power. And also be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing. Amazing.